Welcome to the Warning Track Power Hour. I'm Andrew Scaff. He's Mike Worman. Today we're going to talk a little more about the NCAA tournaments and our not-so-hot um, brackets on the men's side, but pretty decent turnout on, on the women's side um, for our predictions. Um, we'll get into uh, some more off-season NFL news. Uh, and then we're going to be shifting into Major League Baseball and its opening day coming up here. Actually, will be by the time this airs today. Yeah, on, on Thursday, March 30th is opening day. And are you going to be at opening day? I I will be there in my Royals gear and rooting for my hometown team. Yes. You know who the Royals are playing. What's that? Do you know who the Royals are playing on opening day? <laughs> the Minnesota Twins. Minnesota Twins. 3.10 p.m. Afternoon game. It's supposed to actually be nice. It's been like um, cold and rainy for, I'm going to say about a whole month right now. Possibly 10 years. I'm not sure. Supposedly uh, full but... blue, the full powder blue uniforms are making their return. Yeah. As a, as their home. I think they're going to be worn at home though, rather than on the road. Which Yeah. Well, usually know. the, That'd be like the alternate uniforms. They'd just wear it on Saturday afternoon games or Saturday evening games. I think is what it is. Yeah. But would you prefer? Would you prefer um, uh, the them the switch to just powder blue on the road rather than the gray, or would you do you like the gray better? I mean, they've been using the gray for a long time. It just seems like that's what their tradition is now. But it seems like they should just wear the powder blues as much as they can, right? What do you think? I think so too. I think so too. They they have been wearing a lot of powder blue shirts and the, with the white pants uh, or sometimes maybe even with the gray pants. I think they usually wear the, if they wear the alternate jersey with the gray pants, they wear the darker Yeah, royal blue. I haven't seen if they're if they're keeping their uh, alternate logo though too with the uh, the fountain. Oh, the logo. fountain. That was kind of cool. Oh, that was kind of neat. I, ho- I hope they're keeping that one around. I, I didn't pay attention. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to find out. We'll see how they, how they how it goes this year. And if, and if the games are actually broadcast anywhere because of the <sighs> Seeming so, demise of the Valley Sports uh, Network. I think it's, it's filed for bankruptcy. Um, mm-hmm. I guess MLB has said that they're going to broadcast the games for free if Valley's is no longer able to broadcast. That's that's what they've said. Okay. Will they, though? Yeah, the Royals traditionally get very high uh, ratings, uh, local ratings for their for the baseball games. So uh, it's Locally, at least, anyway. Yeah. But it's still like not very big compared to many of the other markets though, but like ratings are high but we don't have a population it's very small. high yes. yeah yeah it's, it's, it's like much higher in uh, for market share in kansas city than almost every other market i guess even, even, what about st louis that's where the best fans in baseball are garbage they're garbage the city <laughs> the fans at all all of it right panera who i just found panera, out we, the, yeah st. St. Louis, louis, i told you that earlier yeah, yeah the st louis bread company is garbage. uh panera. garbage but you, if you really dislike them, you should take advantage of their uh, social outreach policy and go to, like, I don't know if it's all the Panera's, but some of them, you can go and uh, pay what you want uh, for food, which means perhaps zero. So it, because it's supposed to help the homeless and things like that. So I think if you go to like an urban-ish Panera, that's where they usually are. So um, hmm. I, I'd have to look that up, but uh still not the best place to go anyway yeah, maybe, maybe it's still maybe it's not around anymore 
Oh, they it seems like they closed. They closed uh their last pay what you can restaurant. Huh. Um yeah, the well, pay what you um, was a fail. Yeah. Let's let's jump into um our March Madness March Madness discussion, it's, Mike. It's been pretty we mad. Did, we put twenty two brackets together. Good. How many final four teams did we get out of that? Well, I got zero in my sixteen, and I was recently made uh, aware that you were the only one to get any of the final four teams right, and it was on perhaps your worst bracket, uh, where you, I believe, had all of the uh, lower seeded teams win round one, and then all of the nine seeded teams advanced to the final four. We had, more, of course, one nine seed team in the final four. That was Florida Atlantic. So yeah, was that that was your bracket? Um, are you proud? That you were the only one correct, or, uh, or does it, or does it, uh, how, how does it, how does it hit you? Well, that was the. It's funny that 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 that's the bracket that ended up with the one correct pick because that was the the uh, the jokiest of the brackets anyway. So, um, it wasn't intended to be anything good other than just for the fact that you'd be able to say that it. You know, you picked all these. That one bracket had all the crazy upsets correct. And then yeah. it didn't matter after that. It's funny that that's the one that ended up with with a correct final four. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, we, you know, we we had several different methods. None of them ended up really getting anything close to right. Um, the, our current winning bracket in our group is my straightforward bracket, and I guess technically it has actually won the group because even your uh, Ford Atlantic team, I think, was predicted to lose this game. So even if they yeah. win, you don't get any points. Well, so, um, so that was the first uh, of the uh, games in that bracket that I had to do something to pick because <laughs> it wasn't just like going off of which number is lower in this case because it got to the nines facing each other. So I had to actually like, flip a coin. And so did that, you really, did so you then, really uh, flip a coin? I did, or did I you did use the coin? You did flip a coin there. You, you used the. Uh, I cheated radar. on the other, the full bracket. Here you flipped. What, what yeah. kind of coin did you use? I used a a, a quarter. Quarter. I believe it was this quarter. Yeah. So that's what a twenty twenty one quarter. That's probably because it's two years old. So. Yeah, it was. It didn't do its job in the final four, but uh, at least you used a coin there, rather than resorting to technology. Yeah. Uh, like, like you're wont to do, but. So, so that was the, that was the only final four team we got that Florida Atlantic in that break. So we have eighty. We had eighty eight final four teams in our 22 brackets and one out of 88 was correct so it's just over hey. just over one percent correct yeah yes so <laughs> but this was this was the year that um picking chalk was terrible it was um so no no one seed made it into the elite eight even no one seed made it to the elite eight and no two or three seed even made to the final four only one, the, the four seed yukon huskies is the number one is the highest ranked seed left we have a five in the in uh miami uh hurricanes five of san diego state aztecs i believe and florida atlantic owls uh nine seed i believe it's the I owls. Have no idea I believe it's florida atlantic owls owls that is correct so we have the Owls, Aztecs, Hurricanes, Huskies. 
So of those mascots, which of those mascots would win? We think Aztecs would have to defeat an owl. I would think. But would they would they somehow believe the owl has great wisdom and not want to uh uh destroy a magnificent bird? They they wouldn't lose to the bird though. Well, they might maybe they would let the bird defeat them. No. It was a pretty powerful even the Aztec would They weren't okay. defeated by animals before the uh they they were big and on uh, show human sight human sacrifice things like that. Unless yeah. the owl carried some sort of avian disease that uh, the that the that the uh, that the pre Columbian Aztec was susceptible to. Possible. That could that could be a problem. I would assume the Aztecs would would defeat the owls. They would take one of their obsidian knives and carve out the heart of said owl. Kalimas in a in a in a, in a ceremony. That's that's not the right society. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> that was an uh, Indian just temple doom. That's the wrong 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 Indian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So you think the Aztec would win over an owl? Okay. Then, but then, uh, then I think hurricanes win everything else though. Hurricane over a husky. Hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me of uh, the super fans when um, in, in on Saturday Night Live the bear the bears. When yeah. uh, they were debating on, you know, who would win in a fight, Ditka or a Hurricane. Yes. <laughs> and they all picked Ditka, but then, but then someone said, "What the Hurricane is Hurricane Ditka." <laughs> and then someone went, with the, "Go, go with the Hurricane, Bob." Uh, type of thing. So I think uh, Husky. You think the Hurricane? Husky is a winter dog. A Hurricane's a tropical storm. Yes, should never force. come in contact with each other. But you get a lot of dogs that are missing and lost and presumed dead after uh, big natural disasters. So I guess you would say a hurricane probably kills more dogs than than dogs kill hurricanes. So you would say hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> I and... don't know. I'm trying to think of a scenario where a dog beats a hurricane, like. I... <laughs> Like actually, like makes the hurricane go home. Basically, I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe you could say, well, huskies are in are in um, Alaska or the wilderness, and hurricanes could never make it up there because it's too cold. The elements yeah. are too too difficult for a hurricane to survive in. Only a husky could survive Ooh. in those northern climes. Even an Aztec uh, probably wouldn't be able to survive very long there so if if it's i guess it depends on where the game is being played whether the hurt right the hurricane these are all neutral neutral sides but remember this game is in houston texas near galveston texas which of course has been wiped out historically by hurricanes in the past (laughs) so i would say in in houston the hurricane would defeat a husky if this were an anchorage, I'd I'd, I'd go different, but uh, hurricane wouldn't even make it up there. No, so I think I think hurricane, even with global warming, I don't think a hurricane would do quite as well. So I so if, well, if we we'll were going to check in on that in a few hundred years or so. So if we were going purely mascots based on geographical location, uh, <laughs> so I would say hurricane beats husky. Aztec still defeats owl. I would say. 
But then in but then in Houston, I would say a hurricane would noble Aztec civilization. Or would an Aztec be able to cover up in some sort of um you know uh, strongly built uh, temple pyramid? Just weather thing. the storm. Weather the storm, yeah. Yeah. What would you say? So I'd, I'd still go hurricanes if, the, if we're just going purely mascot based. Yes. Okay. So you said, so so you're picking. So then does that mean you're picking that Miami is going to uh, win this tournament? No, not at all. <laughs> I don't. I don't usually pick mascot based reasonings. I don't know. That's not my not my style anyway. Um. So so you like you like uh, I think the odds makers like like UConn, and so you are thinking UConn probably as well. Yeah, I think so because they were so dominant in the about all their games they played in the tournament so far, and, and they really they're not, they they're not going to face any of the absolute top teams that were expected to be in the you know this far into the tournament, but uh, but they did take out Gonzaga um, quite handily. Yeah, you eight point yeah. yeah, so UConn has well the teams that they have beaten uh, were Iona, uh, who are do you know their mascot? Rick Pitino coached them. I was going to say the I was going to say the fighting Rick Pitinos. Well, you could say it's related in some way to a hurricane, but it's spelled differently. It means something different. It's the Gales, G A E L S, the Gales okay. of Iona. Uh, Pitino is already leaving, though, right? Is he? He's going to St. John's? Uh, John's, the Red Storm. So he's leaving uh, <laughs> a, a minor wind, if you want to see spell it G A L E, for a larger Red Storm. Yeah, of course. Of course, Full St. John's, storm, not just a breeze. But... but they used to be the St. John's Red Men. They used to be Indians. Uh, so again, it all circles back to the Aztec hurricane uh, yeah, analogy, yeah. where in this case, the Native Americans have become the storm that they could not defeat oh. in your in your in your uh, universe. But uh, then they beat St. Mary's. Do you know what St. Mary's mascot is? I don't. It's also. The Gales. They they would have played two Gales, G A E L. So it's possible that Iona and St. Mary's could have matched up and been the Gales against Ooh. the Gales. It's like Gaelic, Gaelic kind of Gale, G A E L. Yeah. And that would have been the craziest um, uh, uh, mas- matchup, I think. Um, of mascots. Of mascots, right? That we, that we didn't do, but could have done. Yeah. Um, in our brackets methodologies yeah the gales so the gales against the gales i thought about that in one of my things but i didn't like i couldn't see two gales I, that would have that would have been um world colliding i don't think the gales can play the gales i think it's a yeah but so they've beaten the gales two gales so a husky you think maybe could maul a human being sure um they also beat uh in the next round uh they beat the razorbacks so a wild boar they were able to defeat, uh, which I'm not sure about that. But I guess a husky is a carnivore, and a, uh, more so than a, a, a wild boar, which is sort of an omnivore, I guess you could say. They kind of eat, yeah. eat anything, but, uh, but they are fairly aggressive, though. Yeah, but they can. And then they beat, and then they beat the domesticated Gonzaga bulldogs. Uh, so a husky, I think, is bigger than a bulldog, and yep. the average bulldog, I believe, is more inbred and. Uh, um, not, not not as agile as did you watch um silicon valley you i did do you, do you remember the um gavin belson 
um example he brings gives um brings an animal into the board meetings and like um he does a whole speech about consider the bulldog <laughs> and it's like this hideous beast that's you know inbred to the point where it's like you know constantly you know snotty and yeah. can't breathe and yes i remember gavin belson he was yeah. he was coolie right. uh chairman that's right founder but he never he, he, he was a, yeah yeah so it was anyway so so um the huskies have, have defeated every other mascot coming their way and they've won handily they won i think every game by at least um 15 points that was the low the saint mary's was only 15 point win and then the other three were over 20 points so yeah even, even defeating my razorbacks handily they, they, they got a hot start and uh arkansas couldn't come back so um you think the huskies will similarly overwhelm the hurricanes i think so and then they would play either um the aztecs or the owls do you, do you have do you have a do you have a i believe you made picks for each of those two games right I did. uh do you recall what uh the spreads were in those games so we, uh, I do. we want to sort of, sort of regale the audience uh sure. in how our betting so we each lost 800 dollars basically uh with our final four teams <laughs> right I I was uh, I had a possibility if, uh, of winning, even at the last weekend. Uh, but both Gonzaga and K State um, lost in the final eight. Houston yeah. was my double pick, and they lost the Sweet Sixteen. So I had a, I had a decent shot in and in yep. getting those three final eight teams. I got more than I think any other bracket in our group. Yeah, um, I defeated. The Pomeroy rankings. I defeated Sagarin rankings. Uh, the only one that had as many as me was yours. Was yours where it had field goal uh, percentage as your metric uh, for uh, making the uh, uh, the Elite Eight, and that was also one of your teams. That was also a bracket where you had Florida Atlantic in the Elite Eight, but you had them alas losing to. Oral Roberts. Yes. I mean, I didn't. The methodology the methodology did. And then Oral yeah. Roberts actually was playing. I did not pick these things. I chose the methodology. <laughs> well, Oral Roberts actually made it to the final four in that in that bracket. Yeah. As did Colgate. Uh, <laughs> Who would have been the champion? Because they Gonzaga had and Arizona were the other two. So none of those none of those teams were. But yeah, Colgate would have been the champion. Um do you know Colgate's uh, mascot? I just assumed it was toothpaste related, but I, I'm chances are I'm not correct. It's not toothpaste related. It should be. I think that's a missed opportunity. And they are the like the wintergreens, maybe. What are the? Hmm. Yeah. What What should it be? They are the Colgate Raiders. Hmm. Incorrect. It used to be they, the they Colgate Red Raiders. But apparently, Red had a not communist interpretation, but a Native American interpretation. So they dropped the red. Hmm. I would have thought maybe in the fifth, like like uh, Cincinnati Reds, uh, they became uh, in the fifties when uh, during the height of McCarthyism. Do you, uh, do you remember what the uh, the Reds became uh, briefly? No, the Reds became Cincinnati Reds changed their name to the Cincinnati Red Legs. So oh, they were. Yeah, a version of the Red Sox. 
Oh, they started uh, as the red legs. Is that maybe they did? Maybe that's why they uh they started. They just pull it back. Yes. I thought maybe they changed it to something completely different during that era, just to be make sure there's uh, no yeah. correlation. Yeah, so they were the red legs, eighteen nineteen fifty four to fifty eight, and they were the red stockings, I guess, originally. Oh, the red stockings. So I guess the but also I guess Boston was probably the red stockings as well. So maybe yeah. the red socks. I think it's interesting that uh, those teams, the Red Sox and the White Sox, both latched on to the X as meaning CKS. Yeah. Very very early on in, um, uh, you know, you think that's like a cool updated kind of spelling, but it's it was a uh, uh, something that uh, goes back uh, uh, many. Um, uh, century. So yeah, Boston Red Sox SOX were uh, spelled SOX since 1908. They were the Boston Americans before that. Really? Yes. And when do you think the White Sox became the White Sox SOX before or after the Red Sox became the Red Sox SOX? So 1908 was Red Sox when do you think White Sox became White Sox with that, with the X? And well, I know they were the S O X Sox in the the uh, Black Sox era, mm -hmm. which was 1918, 1918, 1919? 1919, 1919, Black Sox. And, yeah. uh, so they were already that by then, but that's still stockings yeah the first year playing was 1900 they stopped being the white stockings in 1903 1904 was the first season they were the white socks sox so each of the socks teams have been as spelled sox for more over, than over 100 years over 100 years this will be the 120th season that the white socks will be the white so, socks with x what were they in that one year i think i think I think it was just the seasons that they played under. So like oh. uh, Chicago White Stockings were 1900 through 1903. And then for the 1904 season, they switched to Sox. Okay. Although there was like, I thought it meant there was like a one year where there was something else. No, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. I, don't I think know it was maybe just the way that you said it. It made me think that. But I didn't realize. Yeah. I guess. yeah this is one of those. Um, yeah. But originally they started out as the Sioux City Cornhuskers. Of the Western League, minor league of the National League. Then Charles Comiskey bought the Corn Huskers, moved them to St. Paul, Minnesota, where they became the St. Paul Saints, and then uh, moved them to Chicago. They became the White Stockings, uh, which was also apparently the former name of the Chicago Cubs, who at that point, when the White Sox moved to Chicago, were known as the Chicago orphans which was naturally strange i want do you think they're why would you think they were called the orphans because of of the plucky toughness of orphan children or because maybe they lost their lease on a stadium and were yeah. were, were forced to play um in vacant lots or something like that what, yeah what maybe you? yeah maybe they just or maybe they just lost their home they had to move around enough that they were more orphan like yeah um they were the cults and were they or were they just rallying around one particular oh player? they were called the orphans because of 
famed racist and great 19th century baseball player Cap Anson. They were called sometimes called Cap Anson's Colts, Chicago Colts or Anson's Colts. Then when Anson left, he was the father of that team. They became the orphans because oh. they no longer had their domineering racist father and became the orphans briefly before becoming um uh the before becoming the Chicago Cubs in 1903. They were the White Stockings from 1876 to 1889. That's... Do you think any memorabilia exists from the uh, the Orphans days? Um, I bet you could find it on certain, um, you know, like, uh, you know, what is like, uh, like, like Etsy or something like that, maybe? Or... Do you think the White Sox have ever, ever done, like, a retro day where they've... Worn their old orphans uniform. Yeah, I looked up Chicago orphans shopping. Uh, there are Chicago orphans. You can buy them on Redbubble or uh, different things. Really? Had a kind of a cool C logo. Hmm. Uh, like an old English style C Chicago orphans. Uh, Is it better than the um, Cleveland Spiders logos? Well, nothing. I don't. I think the orphans is. I think yeah. I I think if we had to pick the best nicknames of the old time, those old time teams, it would be the orphans probably for Chicago. It would be the spiders for the guardians. The latest yeah. of all the new nicknames, just because they didn't. They 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 were just paying for the. You know, they were. They didn't want to pay for a whole new nickname. They only wanted to pay for a few letters of a new nickname. And um, yeah, I think. I think uh, so. The Detroit has always been the Tigers from 1901 on. I think the New York Yankees were once the New York Highlanders. So if you like that movie Highlander, perhaps yes. uh, Highlanders would be your would be your your pick. Um, uh, I think the Dodgers had some funny nicknames early on. They were the yes, yes. They were the so these are different ones you could pick. So for the Dodgers, they were actually called the trolley Dodgers for a while because that's what the, that's what the word Dodger was because they had the because they were by the trolley lines. Um, they were also the Brooklyn Superbas from They were also variant variations between Brooklyn. They were called the Brooklyn Bridegrooms or the Brooklyn Grooms uh, for over a decade. Uh, for, uh, would you? <laughs> I think the bridegrooms is pretty funny uh, as as a team name. Uh, they were the Brooklyn Robins for a little while, Brooklyn Grays, Atlantics. So I'd say the bridegrooms I think is their funniest one. I think yeah. grooms is funny, but I think bridegrooms is a little funnier because it's more old timey than just saying groom. Yeah. Um, bridegrooms. You know, the, the Giants started as the Gothams. Ooh, the Gothams. That's very Batman-y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only two seasons, looks like, but... Were the Yankees always the Yankees? They were the Highlanders, I think. I oh, oh, yeah. You just said that. You did just say, you just said that. Yeah. Um, right? Uh, I, I think... I don't know if it says that on Wikipedia. I remember they were the Highlanders. Um boston americans well 
I bet you probably like so the uh, the Atlanta Braves, of course, used to be the Milwaukee Braves, and they used to be the Boston Braves, uh, but they were also for a while the Boston Rustlers, Boston Doves, probably your favorite coming up, the Boston Bean Eaters. Yes, the Bean Eaters. Red Caps or Red Stockings, they were also at one point. So I think the Bean Eaters is probably uh, the best one of those two. Um, uh, the Cardinals probably had, I don't know if they had some uh, interesting old names. Yes, they do. Uh, one year. So they used to be the St. Louis Browns, but then the Browns came later. Uh, and for one year, in 1899, they're the St. Louis Perfectos. So they could have played yeah. the, the Brooklyn Superbas and fought against the Perfectos. But then they became the Cardinals in 1900. So yeah. I think the Perfectos is the uh, name they should have uh, stuck with. And... Anyway, we're we're on a big tangent here. So we were going back to the uh, <laughs> final four, right? And you had the games uh, predicted. You, you so we had each each made interesting bets on the final four because we we already lost yeah. eight hundred dollars, made up money on our two bracket final four. So neither of us got any of the teams, right? If K State had gotten even if just K State had made it, I would have made twelve hundred dollars. I would have I would have um, profited. Or if Gonzaga, I think it was plus five fifty or something. I would have gotten at least a lot of the money back and. If yeah, both or you know either, then, either one. But I think I had the last chance with Texas. Yeah, I thought for sure they, Texas was going to handle it. And they they blew a thirteen point lead in the last ten minutes of the game and and dropped, you know, out basically. Where they I had I still had them as champions. So had they won that game, I think I would have, yeah, had the possibility at least to win win the whole the whole um you know bracket challenge. But uh, with my with my own picks. Against the methodologies that we selected, though, too. Well, after now, you know, having closing out the brackets because there's no more points available left for either of us, has this changed your strategy for picking future games? Not really. I I think, yeah. I this was like I don't know. I I I guess you could just say maybe chaos, pick chaos, but I I think usually the earth is chaotic. And I guess I kind of figured that I'm pretty good at the first round, but then after that, everything's crapshoot. Crap shoot. And so I, I think I'm just going to pick with my own uh, brain, but maybe maybe take into effect, this in the second round especially, maybe take in the computer rankings a little bit more. A little heavier um, in the second round, maybe over the first round. Yeah, and then... and then that, that, is what, that is how it looked like it worked in this tournament, was yeah. that... You know, however much chaos there was in the first round, it seemed to level out a bit in the second round. But then it, but then it went it crazy again you know? afterwards. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, realistically, are you surprised that a, that a single-minded methodology wasn't better than your own strategy that you use? Because you're probably you yourself are probably using a combination of strategies when you pick your bracket. Yeah, I I I think one strategy that might have actually been a really good strategy to use, and this would have gotten me teams like Florida Atlantic, maybe um, even 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 San Diego State or or Miami was best record, because Florida Atlantic I think only lost two or three games this year. They might. Yeah. Have, that might have been that might have been the best record. They, they, that was probably the best record in their bracket. Miami had a very probably competitive record, 
total. I think they were like 29-7. Connecticut ended up being like 29-8. So like they ended up not losing a ton. So like maybe I could have maybe better record could have been a but then, uh, then like the schools from like the smaller conferences maybe weighted more heavily than they probably yeah their um their opponents wouldn't be as strong either. So maybe maybe it's best record amongst games played against teams in the field, maybe I don't I'm not sure how to do that. It seems like it's got to be a combination of things to be the best chance, at least anyway. But there's still yeah. going to be chaos no matter what you do. Yeah. On, I the, think... on the women's side, though, I think the bracket that's doing the best or nearly the best is, was um, one the methodology that you'd used of the best player. Yeah, that, that has actually worked very well. Um, that that yeah. seems like that's a pretty good idea anyway, because the games are fairly dominated by individuals. Usually, if a if a player is very good, that player will help their team so much that the team will win. Especially like looking at um, like Iowa's path mm-hmm. to get to the Final Four on the women's side with uh, was it Caitlin Clark? With Caitlin Clark, yeah, that was one of the one of the reasons I did that was because I I wanted to figure out a way to get Iowa to win because most of the most of my methods were going to be South Carolina because South Carolina was so dominant in a lot of different areas and. Um, Caitlin Clark, I think, was by far the best player this year, probably last year too. Even though she didn't win the uh, award, but like you know, she was leading. If you lead the league and if you lead the comp, you know, whole country in both scoring and assists, you're probably the best player. And if you get like yeah. eight rebounds a game, besides that, like I don't think there's a lot, especially if you're playing in a big conference like the Big Ten. I don't think there's probably any argument really there. Um, right. Like even though they would say it was um, Aaliyah Boston from uh, South Carolina, but she was just like the best, sort of maybe the best player, the best team was just sort of a big, just sort of a, I kind of mean just sort of a nondescript big player who gets quite a few, you know, a decent amount of points, decent amount of rebounds, and then as a solid team around her. And I didn't yeah. think that was, um, it wasn't like she was scoring like thirty points a game and getting fifteen boards. It was like fourteen rebound, fourteen points, twelve rebounds, or something every game, which is. You know, I think adequate, but not amazing in the way that um, Clark was. So I think Clark is like, I was looking at her stats, like they really dwarf even some of like the great women's basketball players of uh, the year. Like if you look at Diana Tarazi's stats or yeah, um, I think like Cheryl Swoops, you know, women, she's probably a little closer to the, but she had, but she filled up the box score even a lot more uh, than either of those players. So I think, um, yeah, so I was I, I thought I found her very impressive, and I think Iowa has some other good players too. But you know, so I, I thought you know that's the way to get Iowa to win. I still think South Carolina is probably the best team. So if South Carolina wins, um, I think your bracket right now has the best chance of winning the um, of our women's group. If South Carolina loses to Iowa in this next round, that best player bracket with me will win. So. Yeah, it comes out of that one game, which is the final, first of the final four matchups too. Is it? Not, uh, is that right? Yeah, it's yeah. Iowa, I think, is favored by or uh, South Carolina uh, is down is by, down by eleven and a half on the yeah. spread, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Are you are you disappointed that that matchup happens in the final four rather than the championship game? A little bit, yeah, because I think. Um, especially with UConn out, since you since 
Uh, Virginia Tech ended up winning that bracket. UConn lost to, I don't remember who they lost to. It was uh, Ohio State, Ohio State. Um, so, like, yeah, then, the idea would be maybe. losing also, badly. Yeah. To LSU? LSU ended up beating um, India. They won the other one. So, like, it's, it's LSU and uh, Virginia Tech on one right. side. And then Iowa. Yeah, I think the Iowa-South Carolina matchup is by far the um, You would assume that that is the championship game being played right there, right? Yeah. I Possibly, yeah. Because I think um, I think if Iowa beats South Carolina, they'll beat either of the other teams. And I think if South Carolina beats Iowa, I don't think they'll have trouble. I don't think they'll have trouble. It's like with the other two. Well, they're so they're I, big I, favorites. I, and yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, they were, they were um, favored versus the field. Before the tournament started, South Carolina was right. Yeah, yeah. So we, so we'll see what happens there. No. We actually made um, betting picks for the men's final four. We want to talk about our strategy there, and then sure. um, maybe wait till next week and talk more about basketball if we want. Um, so, so I went pretty straightforward. That's, and since we, since we were both were terrible, um, and we both lost. Eight hundred dollars, essentially. So we, so we, so we gave it two hundred dollars in the final four to make it an even thousand dollars that we could lose. Yes, uh, right. And so, right. Uh, how did you allocate your two hundred dollars? So, um, I wanted to, to pick on games that existed already, so I wasn't like betting too far in the future. Um, you know that may they, you know, they may not even I may lose before the um, you know, outcome of the first round games are finished, right? Um, so I wanted I wanted to go ahead and bet on the two final four games, and I'm extremely boring on these picks. Um, I'm just going to pick the favorite on the uh, spread on both of the games. So, uh, San Diego State minus one and a half, and UConn minus five and a half. That is that is my brilliant strategy. So for attacking these uh, final four betting opportunities. So you can either win two hundred dollars, lose yes. two hundred dollars, or possibly break even. Like even yes, those are my um, those are my three scenarios. I, I made mine a little more complicated. I took the futures odds, and I looked at the other four teams. So right now, uh, Connecticut is favored against the field. Um, so you to win if you bet uh, to win one hundred dollars, you have to bet one hundred twenty five dollars. So they're minus one twenty five. So um, I decided not to bet on them. I I think just because this this, this has been crazy all all. Um. Uh, you know, all season now, and especially in the in the tournament, I I'm going to pick. I I decided to put my bets on the field, but I also maybe dumbly didn't want to place two hundred dollars on the field on just on the field, uh, to win. They actually might have actually might have won me more, uh, if they if they won. If I bet, um, but I would also be uh, I don't know. I I I, w- I wouldn't feel like I got the correct answer if i just bet 200 dollars on the field i have a possibility though of winning more than 200 dollars the way i went um so i decided uh so we had 200 dollars. i decided to bet 100 dollars on the team that had the longest odds and that was florida atlantic they're plus 550 which i'm a little surprised that they're plus 550 um because i don't they're an underdog against uh san diego state which makes not that much sense to me, even though anyway, it's a higher seed, but like they're not a big conference school. They're from, you know, they're not traditional power. Uh, so I think, uh, I think it's Kawhi Leonard. 
Kawhi Leonard went to San Diego State at one point. But, you know, Portland has only lost three games this year. They've, they've, they've kind of rolled through the field. He's not still on that team. So. Yeah, no, he's not still on that team. Um, it, yeah, so I, so I, so if I, uh, plus 550, so I bet $100 on Florida Atlantic, and I decided to split my other 100 between um, San Diego State and Miami. And so I bet 50 on each of those. I think Miami is plus um, 450. 450 and San Diego State is plus 390. So I'll get a small. So if I if I, I bet $50 each of those. So if Miami or San Diego State wins, I get a small win, uh, 45 bucks or 75 bucks total. And if I get um, uh, Florida Atlantic to win, I'm, I'm plus 450. So I, I, I will be in the money uh, if the field wins. If I, if, Connecticut wins. I'm down two hundred dollars. So I I have the low of you, but I have three possibilities of being plus money. So I, I decided to go that way. And there's a one and there, and I think and I kind of actually think Florida Atlantic has a really good shot because um they've they've played so well uh, all year it seems like and yeah. So you so you have four potential outcomes. Yes. If. Florida Atlantic wins, you beat me no matter what happens. Whatever I do, you'll right. you'll defeat my strategy. That's right. The best you can do if Florida Atlantic wins is break even because uh, you have Florida Atlantic losing the first. Right. 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 That's right. Yeah. But I mean, but even if even if somehow, which is impossible, your max would be more than the four hundred dollars that I could earn anyway. Mm-hmm. But also, it I mean, my max would actually be two hundred in this scenario. Yeah. You won, so it doesn't matter. If I guess ideally, you could say three three fourths of the time I will win. Uh, if you think it's a flip, which I think if they're all even, yeah. I will be above. I will be above five. I will be a uh, in in plus money. Um, yeah. One one fourth. That one that one fourth. I lose two two hundred. But maybe it's really forty percent of the time I will lose two hundred, and then sixty percent of the time I will. Odds makers seem to think that. Connecticut is the favorite, as they the, they are the um, they are favored versus the field minus one twenty five. Do you know? Um, so Miami was was in the ACC. Connecticut's in the Big East. There's, so in basketball, those are two big um, conferences. Florida Atlantic is Conference USA. Uh, is that right? I think San Diego State is WCC. Yeah, Port Atlantic is Conference USA. Yeah, um, and yeah, the West Coast Conference, so Gonzaga's conference, uh, is as uh, San Diego State. Um, no, Mountain West. Mountain West. Oh, yeah. I think I think maybe we're thinking of Santa Clara or something like that for West Coast Conference. Yeah. Uh, well, there was there was a team from the from the Saint Saint Mary's Saint Mary's the Gales uh, were West Coast too, um, Mountain West. Yeah, so um, it's interesting that, that I think UConn is historically in the Big East, but uh, it's interesting because now the Big East, the way it's arranged, none of the Big East teams are public universities except for UConn. They're all uh, private. Every one of them except Butler is catholic right and private and yeah, then it, was have... the, it was the catholic schools all stayed in the big east right and the yeah and the non-catholic schools jumped to the acc isn't that how that 
realignment yeah. win. Yeah, and then I guess UConn went back. Is that how it worked? And then and then UConn went back. Yeah. Yeah, because UConn, I think its football team never went or something. I'm not exactly sure how. Yeah, it's it's, like it remained independent. Um, but yeah, so Butler is, I believe, Presbyterian. Um, Lutheran. Let's see. What do you know, Butler? Um, University. It's in. It's. It doesn't say it was a Northwestern. It was founded by the Disciples of Christ, but now it's independent. So, um, anyway, a lot of the, and a lot of the and I'd say majority of those Catholic schools are Jesuit uh, institutions: uh, Xavier, Georgetown, Creighton, Mark, uh, Marquette, even. Um, yeah, it's an interesting uh, mix of that, those Catholic basketball uh, schools. Is St. John's in that? Coop is that somewhere else? Yeah, St. John's is in the Big East. Yeah, that's what I thought so. I think they're... Uh, uh, I want to say they're Dominican. St. John's. No, they're the Congregation of the Mission. So that's a Vincentian Fathers. Okay. So they're the Vincentians. So St. Vincent the Paul. Uh, the, the, he's, uh, if you know, uh, thrift stores. Uh, the Vincent de Paul Society has a lot of uh, Catholic uh, thrift stores uh, in um, across the country, especially in the Northeast. They're the they're one of the big thrift store uh, bodies. But anyway, so we, those are those are our final four uh, teams, and we'll see how it turns out uh, uh, next week. Do we have any other final closing thoughts on basketball? Do we want to switch over to? Uh, the NFL uh, for so. a little bit before we finish with baseball. Yes, uh, just maybe just the last thing to say on the uh, basketball tournaments are men's games uh, are Saturday and then the final is Monday. And the uh, women's tournament, the semifinals are on Friday night. Final on Sunday night, I believe, right? Okay. Yeah, so the, they, so men's tournament was the day before, but now it's the day after tradition. I guess mm-hmm. it's traditionally the, the Saturday is the final four day and Monday is the national championship. Yeah. Um, so on Saturday and Monday, uh, by this point, uh, you know, so you know, those those are also traditional uh, sort of football uh, playing uh, days, I guess, uh, as, as a Sunday, of course. Uh, the NFL, um, probably the biggest, so there hasn't been a lot of movement in terms of uh, free agency. Uh, Aaron Rodgers still hasn't gone officially to the Jets. Although he has March. declared that that is his intention is to play for the Jets, but it's not really up to him at this point. If if you were the New York Jets, would you take Aaron Rodgers for one, possibly two years, or would you make a play for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, if I mean for Lamar Jackson, would you make a play for Lamar Jackson? I don't know what the cost is going to be for Aaron Rodgers. That that's what it that's what it comes down to, right? Is um you know the cost for um for Lamar Jackson going to be two number one draft picks just to make the trade or to make the buyout for um you know making an offer plus his supposed like 10 10 year 250 plus million dollar contract that he wants uh, yeah i don't know if that's worth it i don't i wouldn't I do but I think, well, you're going to give up. I don't know. I think it's a second round pick and maybe a couple other things for, right, for Rodgers, but it's going to be two firsts. I, I'd say like you might get Jackson over five, six years. 
Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know what Rogers' cost is going to be, but that we know what the Lamar Jackson cost is. It's two roughly, firsts and plus a roughly million. ten year commitment. Maybe, maybe, maybe he would do five. Maybe he would do. But he's already he wanted that contract that uh, Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun uh, Watson got, um, basically yeah. all guaranteed I, and a very long term. That was that was what he was asking for. I wonder. Yes, I think Deshaun Watson only got five years for fifty each. So I think he's 250. So like maybe you could do 550. Like maybe you could do this is something maybe you could say, well, maybe we'll do 30. Maybe we'll escalate 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. Uh and not guarantee the last couple. I guess that would just be, you know, that would be 40 million three years guaranteed, under 20 plus, and then you know, maybe restructure it somewhere. You can get a new deal. I don't know. I it's like J- Jackson is it's stupid he doesn't have an agent. It's stupid it's that his, he it's is his choice. trying to go this idea that you know, the owners do not want to make everything guaranteed. Yeah. Plus, everything since uh, Cleveland is a bunch of idiots for wanting Watson and you know all the off-field problems he has. Jack Lamar Jackson also has been, had injury problems the last couple of years. So like, it makes sense why people are reluctant to really give him this huge deal especially given the fact that a lot of these big deals lately like kyler murray and stuff haven't turned out good and they really just saddled teams with huge salary commitments and like you know other than mahomes no no team has won the super bowl with a quarterback that takes so much money so right and, and so i guess you could say lamar jackson he won an mvp but you know um yeah i i would yeah, I, I but still, if I were the Jets, though, I would go Lamar Jackson over Aaron Rodgers, just because you Aaron Rodgers maybe is one year. Yeah, and then you're at the same place you were. I guess you could maybe think that um, Zach Wilson might be better one year from now. Yeah, or if they I can find know. some value somewhere in this year's draft or the following year's draft, I think you really want two years out of Rodgers if he's going to. Do it. You'd want him to commit for two. I don't yeah. know how to do that, but yeah. But if I were like, especially if it costs like number one picks to get him, and you have to draft a guy, you don't have anything to draft with anymore because you had to give your draft picks That's to right. get Rogers here, right? So, um, I don't. Yeah, if I were the NFC South, even the AFC South, like if you're Tennessee, if you're like maybe if you're Tennessee, uh, you could you could, maybe you could say, well, we'll trade, you know, we'll trade Tannehill for Jackson, and you know maybe we can get, you know, if we have to send two two firsts, maybe we can get something else for Tannehill. Like you know, there's a, there's like a tandem trade, so maybe we can get some draft capital back. We're yeah. sending we're sending Tannehill. He's got a lot of money, but he's not as much money as. Well, so if they work out a trade, it's not necessarily the two draft picks. Okay, okay. It's just that if they do the if they sign him through this mechanism, where Baltimore has a chance to match the offer that comes in, is that if they don't match, then they get two draft picks as a compensation for that losing the player, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, so- if they if they just if they wanted to sign him to like a one year deal and then trade him, I think they take the dead cap hit. 
or whatever's left on the contract. But they may not have to do the, they may not request the picks. Maybe they just want to get rid of them. Right. But then, yeah. Yeah, maybe. So, like, like if you they said, would want, like, they would want something in return for it, though. Like, if you got Tannehill, like, so you would only have to have Tannehill for one year because this contract only lasts this yeah. season. So you'd be spent. So right now, can't as looking at his contract, Tannehill has a thirty-six point six billion dollar cap hit this year. Yeah. So take Tannehill for one year, get rid of Jackson. Maybe you could t- say, well, we'll take we'll take Tannehill. That will also get rid of a lot of salary for the titans so they would and if they got jackson maybe they'd be spending 10 or 15 million more this year yeah and so maybe you could say well we'll give you you know we'll we'll take one first and a third or something if you give us Tannehill, and that might be a lot or even to say well we'll take your first next year yeah this year for if you give us Tannehill, because like if you had Ryan Tannehill to the ravens they're still pretty good. Tannehill's probably as good or better a passer than um, Jackson. He he's not a terrible runner, but he's able to like thrive in a fairly conservative offense, like they had in Tennessee. So like and, and but like you'd say, well, Jackson once he goes to Tennessee, he would be he would really elevate. I think their offense, this a- AFC South isn't that good. There's, you know, they yeah. almost, the Titans almost won the division last year. They probably would have won the division had Tannehill been healthy the whole year. Um, I think to do that, though, I think I think Jackson would have to accept the one-year offer from Baltimore, and then Baltimore would have to trade him to thirty-two, and then, and then I guess if, the um, Tennessee would have to have a like a deal in place. Like, well, let me say, Tennessee will say, well, we'll give you three years. At fifty million dollars each, yeah, and then it's it's a lot of moving parts for to work out with a guy that doesn't have an agent. So that's what, yeah, and I think that's a big problem because what to happen. because an agent could could find creative solutions and yeah, somebody like Lamar Jackson Jackson's doing is just saying like I want ten years, three hundred fifty million, all guaranteed, and every team in the league is going to say I don't no, want. Yeah, yeah, Jackson, I don't think is able to. Um, without having an agent think creatively uh, in that kind of out of the box way, because you need to actually really have a, a, a sense of the ins and outs of the salary cap and ins, the ins and outs of how to deal and negotiate with people. And this is something that agents are, you know, they're trained lawyers, almost all of them. And right. it's, I think what may be the most important part of it though, too, for having the agent is the agent can hear what the team says negatively about the player and not take it personally. Because mm-hmm. if, if Lamar Jackson's negotiating for himself, and the team's going to say, "I don't want to pay that much for this player because he because of this," he is going to take that very personally. And the and the agent really right, also can, is a contract. It's somebody that can have a real kind of unbiased look, or at least less biased look at the player's actual value, and say, "This is what's yeah. being offered. This is what you should take. This is what I can get." Um, and it may not be what you want, or we could say, "Well, you know." In some ways, because you've been hurt the last couple of years, teams are not willing to shell out the money they were. And maybe if you get a shorter deal and you prove that you can play on that, you're still young in three years yeah. and you'll be able to get a big deal later or something like that. And I think not having that option is, is really hurt them. And it's 
it just yeah i i i don't know any i don't know again it would seem like to go against every sort of advice like why wouldn't you want a professional advisor and negotiator helping you uh in fighting for like you to be yeah, because they want they want you to make as much money too because it you know they have they a commission. Get paid more than too. they get paid more yeah and and it's 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 insane um, yeah, it's, i don't but, believe anybody else does this it's not like there are attorney football players that you know that do this on their own anyway it's not uh sometimes ex-players become agents later but yeah jackson but I mean, there is, I don't think there's anybody in the league right now that doesn't have an agent of some kind. Um, I would say possibly maybe teams that are just drafting players because they have slots. They have their they've already pre-negotiated um, salaries, so maybe some like yeah. But I mean, know, you're you're not negotiating. In that case, it's like, you know, like yeah, maybe yeah. a fifth, maybe a fifth round draft pick. There's a salary salary scale you have to be put in, and yeah. and and this is we don't have an agent yet, but. Um, but you get one probably for your next contract or or something like that. But yeah, it's it's insane that he does not have an agent. Um, uh, but there have been uh, so that there haven't been a lot of changes in um, free agency in the last like after the first week or so. It's really cooled down. Uh, they probably won't uh, probably won't be a whole lot happening until the draft. But they did have some um, news today that there were some rule changes the NFL has adopted, and I was wondering what you thought of these. Uh, Andrew, let me let me uh, read. I have not heard any of this, so I don't I don't even know what you're about to tell me. So this will be a an unbiased and an unfiltered, um, mm-hmm. uninformed response. Okay, so um, probably the most I don't know. If this is the most interesting. Probably a perhaps the most interesting, but B probably also the least. Uh, in terms of its effect of the uh, actual project of the field, is that um, impactfulness factor of impactfulness? Zero. Yeah. So now uh, teams can what use uh, the number zero for oh. any of their players. <laughs> uh, so um, anybody, so um, anybody can wear the number zero, uh, except I think for linemen, kickers, and punters as well. Kind of related to this can use any number uh, from zero to forty-nine and ninety oh. to ninety-nine. But is the double zero available? Or is it just the single zero? I believe it's just uh, the single uh, zero, not the double zero. So, um, would you pick zero? Um, I mean, I wouldn't be on an NFL roster. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, sure, I would. You think so? Would... If you think zeros should be on it, so it should double zero be available as well or it's more just... ridiculous than zero so yes I think about... you should have some people with like half numbers or something too they or should... irrational numbers pi. yes that'd be that'd be best e square root <laughs> of seven well as as rosters expand and numbers get retired maybe uh you know this is something that will have to happen because you know there's 90 there are 90 people on an nfl roster at the beginning of the year and and right. uh, i think Usually they double up a couple of them, uh, but yeah. you know, adding zero gives a little bit of room, and um, I think most players, especially coming out of college, because I think traditionally college players, uh, the playmakers would have lower numbers, like quarterback style numbers, 
Uh, whereas in the NFL, you know, wide receivers used to always be in the 80s and yeah. running backs in the 20s through 40s. Uh, whereas I think people like picking, you know, college, they were number one or, or something or, or things like that. So I like, I kind of like the zero as well. So what, what position do you think will most commonly occupy the zero number this coming um, season? I think it's going to be. Wide receivers. I think the wide receiver uh, group tends to, I, I would say on average, the receiver is the most probably flamboyant and um, uh, kind of braggadocious of yeah uh, any NFL position group. And yeah. so I think zero is new and shiny and it involves a kind of look at me kind of thing. I think I think it's going to be a maybe maybe a running back or something like that as well, but it's going to be a, a a player of that type, I would guess. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that maybe they should just say that like um, if they have a, a team has a designated kick returner, but that should be the number zero because mm. it's like the wild card sort of role. But that but that play, that player typically would be a wide receiver though anyway, right? Yes. Maybe. Uh, yeah, the other the other rules aren't that unusual or different. A lot of them are just kind of how the rosters work and what days like um uh waiver pickups can be. Um, but there are but there are Maybe the exciting part of football. Yeah, yeah. But there are a few <laughs> um like there's like you know, like a play clock adjustment during replay or something that's different slightly. Um uh, one was uh, approved that was that uh, uh, replay officials are uh, uh, can review fourth are going to automatically perhaps review fourth down oh. conversions or not conversions. Um, tripping is now a personal foul rather than its own penalty of I believe ten yards. Now it's a fifteen yard penalty. Okay. Um, for some reason, they decided to make the penalty for illegally handing the ball forward consistent with other illegal acts such as the illegal forward pass i don't recall an illegal handing the ball forward call ever in uh games i've watched but maybe it's something it must have um, happened at some point or why would they why would they make yeah. a deal about it to... uh the penalty for illegal punts drop kicks or place kicks is consistent with illegal forward passes as well i don't think there are many of those either uh uh i guess this uh you weren't allowed to end the first half on an off on any kind of penalty including offensive penalties oh. so like an end of the game cannot be extended by an offensive penalty but apparently the end of the first half could be extended by an offensive penalty. so that is that has gone away okay i guess that makes now, the, more now the two halves are consistent with each other yeah i guess yeah there's okay. been a lot of like weird little things um a couple of the big ones that weren't approved though were um this idea that Philadelphia had was like the idea of a uh, instead of a kick, instead of an onside kick, you could do a fourth and twenty play from your own twenty yard line. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, and make that that was turned I kinda, down. I kind of like that con that concept. Like you have to do something to do that's still hard, but it's not. Yeah, so hard too, as the onside kick seems to be like nearly impossible at this point. Does it seem too gimmicky? Is it too XFLy? Is that why? Well, I, were they, were they also considering the kickoff rules from the XFL? 
they were considering one where um, they could um, that all touchbacks would be at the 25 now. So like a punt touchback instead of landing at the 20 it would be 25. And also if you called a fair catch on a kickoff or a punt. That's the college rule. You, I think a punt as well. You would yeah. get it at the 25. I don't know if it was a punt, but at least a kickoff, you would get it at the 25. And, and that was turned yeah. down. I, I, I like the current way. I, I kind of like the current way. Actually, I would prefer the kick, the, the touchback. Um, to Did you like, the, have you seen the XFL kickoffs though? Where they, they'll, instead of the line of scrimmage being like the, you know, where the ball is kicked off from, it's like at the other 30. So that all the players are lined up way downfield from the kicker so that there's not as much time for the, the, uh, the kick um, defending team to like build up the full head of steam to like, not, you know, like yeah. rush someone. And so they only had like 20, like 30 yards, I think to, yeah. I was it from the 40, was it 40 yards instead of, I don't, yeah. It's something strange. Yards I like, I guess I like some of the rules the way they are rather than yeah. just to change them for changing's sake. Yeah. Um, the other thing that didn't get changed, and this wasn't didn't even make it like past the committee, was the idea that um, the what you call the so called tush push, which I don't care, I don't care for that term, but the <laughs> it rhymes, but it's uh, it's, it's, it's yeah. unseemly to me. It's just the idea that down. yeah, the idea that you can just the, the sort of patent field of equals third down, fourth down sneak, uh, where you know just have four guys push Jalen Hurts. And he's never on the ground, so they never they, and they never end up calling for progress down. And so, like, they get it, you know, ninety nine percent of the time they get the fourth and one, third and one. Yeah, that was not dealt with. But so it seems like perhaps that we're going to get a whole slew of that this coming season. This kind what, of you think more teams will adopt scrub. that play? I think the I think the only way for that play to get outlawed is that the Chiefs adopt the play. And do well on it because if something <laughs> if something benefits the Chiefs, it gets uh, dealt away, done away with. Yeah, uh, such as the overtime rules where um, the, the Buffalo Bills were not allowed to have the ball in overtime, uh, but when the Chiefs were not allowed to have the ball in overtime against the Patriots, uh, in twenty eighteen AFC Championship game, nothing was changed. So they did not. They did not change. It needs, it needs, it needs to harm the Buffalo Bills. So somehow, if yeah. the Buffalo Bills get harmed by it, um, but those are the main uh, rule changes. I don't know if there's, but you know, there's still a lot of NFL offseason left. We have a draft coming up in April. Um, we have uh, probably some free agency signings after that, but so far the Chiefs haven't really done a whole lot. They've actually are still the uh, odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl, but they've actually gone. Um, their odds have gotten a little bit higher. They were at plus five fifty, now they're plus six hundred. Um, so I think the Chiefs, the, the uh, pundits, and the betters. Have been underwhelmed by the Chiefs' free agency signings, which have basically been uh, really next to nothing when it comes to offensive playmakers, and I think that's what what really moves them. Uh, well, they they've only like covered the glaring holes immediately that they have from the uh, the big name players that have left on defense, and I guess they've lost Juju Smith Schuster. Yeah, so, so that, that's the only one they haven't filled it. But I think they're planning on filling that through the draft. draft. Yeah, so that's that's coming up. Um, but between the draft and future uh, free agency, we have Major League Baseball coming. Uh, it's been announced that uh, the Royals are starting Zach Grinky on Thursday uh, against the Twins. 
Are you excited to see him on opening day? Would you rather see him, or do you think uh, Brady Singer probably deserved the? Uh, I think opening? it's. I think it should be Singer. Uh, I don't think Greeky should have started last year's opening day, let alone this one. Uh, but he he does seem to be still quite the character. Uh, um, did you did you see that? Uh, there was like a TikTok about uh, Grinky explaining his uh, final spring training appearance. Yes, he basically uh, thought that he was doing too well in spring training and wasn't be wasn't able to practice um, his pickoff moves and other types of pitches with players on base. So he allowed intentionally many hits. He also began practicing his kind of, uh, you know, EFAS pitches and his extremely slow balls and things like that. Just to, just to, you know, be very Zach Grinky like he is the most, one of the most entertaining characters uh, baseball, especially these last couple of decades has had for sure. Uh, he, he is really kind of a throwback to the kind of oddity uh, uh, character uh, days of, of baseball. And I'm really glad the Royals have brought him back. So I think he deserves to uh, be opening because it doesn't really matter who pitches opening day. It's yeah. actually kind of an honor. Like in some ways you can say, well, Grinky deserves it because he's done so much for baseball, so much for the Royals. He's an, he's the elder statesman at this point. And All true. He, and you know, he might take the pressure off of Singer if he doesn't have to pitch opening day. So yeah. At you it's know, fine. at one point at one point we thought Grinky the pressure would get, like, get to him, but I think he's he's moved beyond that now. Like he he was you know he had you know social anxiety disorder probably and some other um, you know probably maybe um, autism spectrum kind of things. I don't want to diagnose him, but he's 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 he is uh, a person who you know has certain um, ticks and quirks, and uh, it seemed like he was the game in some ways was was. Kind of overwhelming for him, and he wanted just to step out of the spotlight. But now I think he's kind of embraced it because he doesn't care anymore, and he yeah. just wants to be himself. And I think I think that's really good for the Royals. And so I'm glad that Greinke is starting. Uh, they also we also called up uh, a couple of old, uh, perhaps washed up veterans that have had success in the past uh, in uh, Fernando Reyes and Jackie Bradley Jr. as uh, they've made the opening day. 25 man, 26 man, maybe now roster. Um, and Matt Duffy also. And Matt Duffy. Which of those three is going to have the most success for the Royals this year? Well, I think um, I think Jackie Bradley Jr. probably has the most opportunity to play regularly. I'm not sure that Fran Mil Reyes is going to be an everyday player based on their roster. It seems like they may have, you know, opportunity for Reyes to play at first and DH a lot, but uh, I think for now, maybe Jackie Bradley Jr. may be this opening day starting center fielder, potentially, um, since they have already they already have an injury mm-hmm. uh, there for their expected center fielders. So they're already kind of filling in with uh, what Nate Eaton, I think, is going to be there a lot of the time, but we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, they haven't announced the official opening day lineup yet, uh, so... I think, yeah, I think Jackie Bradley Jr. probably has the most opportunity to play, so I think he'll be there most of the time. None of those those three had a good season last year. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. had an OPS plus of 58. He had a war of minus 0.6. Matt Duffy had a war of minus 0.4. OPS plus of 77. And Fernando Reyes has a war of minus 0.9, OPS plus of 81. But 
recently, though, they have not as recently, but they have all had success at the major mm-hmm. league level. Uh, well, I think Duffy's uh, going to be backup middle infielder, so he won't be starting. He is a good fielder or average um, adequate fielder, I guess. Yeah. Bradley Jr. maybe maybe center fielder initially, but we'll probably unless he's amazing. May slip back into a platoon type role. Yeah, Bradley has been an excellent fielder. Yeah. Um and he's actually been an excellent hitter as well. He's he's had times, yeah. some very solid seasons. That was probably six or seven years ago, however, but um in Boston and yeah, I don't know if any of those players could I think I think Reyes maybe has the chance to at least hit a bunch of home runs. But yeah. um I, I I like having some name guys on the team. Yeah. Just maybe to take some of the pressure off the younger players. Well it's, it also, is good to see these guys they had they signed to like you know minor league contracts or non roster invitees and and uh you know have them make the rosters. That's already a big plus, right? For the uh, yeah. For the for the franchise and for those players, so it's it's great. Yeah, I think yeah, and and the idea I guess is you can keep some of the young players in the minors a little bit longer to develop. Mm. If um, even, as an optimist, you could say, well, maybe they're failed failures because they could beat out Jackie Bradley Jr. or couldn't beat out uh, Franco Reyes. But you could also say, well, they just need a little more time to develop. This helps the Royals minor league teams do a little better, and, and at least gives these guys, you know, uh, at worst, they're at worst these. Um, guys are placeholders and mm. can at least well they could be uh, trade pieces too if they mm-hmm. could get you know somebody at the deadline um, yeah. to fill up that minor league roster a bit more too if they're worried that they're they've depleted it so much that they're actually behind where they should be developmentally so but so we we I think we were said we were both a little bit optimistic about the Royals this year um one of the things I think we wanted to do is to talk a little bit about um, uh, our prognostications for the Royals, maybe some other teams this year. Right now, the Royals um, are projected, according to Las Vegas uh, and Fangraphs, I think, uh, uh, or FanDuel especially, uh, and they have a, a their projected win total right now is 68.5. So that means um, over they would be 69.93, under they would be 68.94. You think the Royals were win? More than 68 and a half games this year, or fewer than 68 and a half games this year? So they won 64 or five games last year? Um, 65. Yeah, they were 65 and 97. So they would only need to improve by four games over last season. And uh, I think I think they're better than, than that. I know you and I had talked the last couple of weeks about predictions i think i'm a little more optimistic than than you were i I think at one Um, point i was thinking maybe they might even be 77 mid to upper 70s yeah i i would say closer to mid to mid to mid 70s now is my so yeah so 68 and a half i think is a little low so i was thinking they probably win 74 75 games is my and if they finish close to 500 that'll be a success real success so i would say over on 68.5 how about you yeah, at the height of spring training when they were, you know, like 14 and two, I think I'd gone as high as nearly 500. I think I've relaxed back a bit after that, after their uh, end of spring training anyway. So 
I still think I still think higher than 68 and a half. I still think yeah, mid 70s seems pretty good. We ended up at, at 19 and 12 right now in spring training. So yeah, still a you know if they were 19 and 12 in the regular season, seven games above 500. That's a that's a great be a great position. Uh, start. But yeah, so but it's not 14 and two. It's not you know so they ended up going five and ten in their last 15 uh, games. So yeah, I, I still think over 68 and a half. So I, I would say mid 70s is my is my prediction. So. Um, if we, if I were, if we were to bet um, on these uh, on the Royals, we would both be over. And I thought we could also make um, season-long bets on um, some other teams uh, and and kind of in as as we as we often do on this on this program, uh, compare our results to one another and see who is the uh, smarter prognosticator. And uh, as of now, uh, so we're, we're we of course we're going to be both over on the Royals because we both our Royals homers but um, when it comes to other teams we might have different opinions so I thought we could each pick three other teams and their over under totals this year and um, make uh, bets on those of course we won't find out until early October <laughs> what these are right. so this will be by um, far our longest our longest uh, you know you know distance away from a from a bet I guess they could cash out yeah. technically earlier or we could lose earlier if if uh they are so they amazing. Yeah. 68 wins by the all-star break. Yeah, so or... the Rose are six, yeah, they're 68 and 35 <laughs> or something at some point. And then we can yeah. all, unless they lose their next uh you know 55 games. We're gonna we're gonna be fine right. here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so um I have I I've 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 scoured the uh uh the statistics and the odds and i've made my own picks i believe you've made yours as well uh why don't we reveal those and then we can wrap up today's morning trek power hour uh so i my first pick um boston uh red sox were were over under 78 and a half i believe they were at 78 wins last year and i in the red sox they aren't i don't think um Boston fans and management are going to be satisfied if they, you know, you know. I don't think they're going to go back to the old Red Sox where they were often losers. I think uh, in this current market they have they're, they're supposed to be a good team, and they've been spending a little bit more money lately. So I think uh, they're oh, seventy eight and a half. I took the over on seventy eight and a half. So I think they'll be at least close to a five hundred, if not a little bit above a five hundred team this year. Well, and a lot of that may come down to um, Baltimore success. Like the Baltimore ended up finishing ahead of them last year by five games. Yes. Do you think, do you think that was a mirage last season, or and they will relax back, or do you think they will become a more dominant team with their young players developing? Uh, are they taking another step forward? Yeah, I I think that. Well, I think they can still take a step forward as getting better, but their record doesn't have to be as good. So I think maybe their record yeah. was a little better than what they were uh, last time. So I think the, I think the, we, we've passed the time where like the Orioles are one of the worst two or three teams in baseball. I don't think they're going to be 55 and 107 anymore. But I think, you know, they're a decent-ish team, but they're, but the AL East is very, very tough. The Rays are going to be okay. The Blue Jays are probably going to be pretty good still. And the Yankees are still going to be the Yankees. Um and I think the Red Sox are going to become the Red Sox again. So I think it's just a crowded division. And if both the Rays and the Blue Jays are doing fairly well, I think that means that one of those teams can't be doing as well. So I think I think the I would say if 
I would say that the um, Orioles are probably going to be a little worse in terms of record, even though they're probably a better team than they were a couple of years ago. Yeah. Did you did you uh, end up making a bet on the on the on the Orioles as a as a tandem to the to the? Uh... I considered it. I think they will drop a few more than where they were last year. I, I guess I didn't pay attention to what their over under was for this coming season. Did you did you happen to look at that one? Yeah the um, the over under for the Orioles this year was seventy six and a half. So, so they expect them to drop two. Some. So yeah, like the, two games, the Boston was seventy eight and a half. Or Orioles were seventy six and a half. Yeah, and we went through and added all these up. It seems like there isn't a whole lot of room on these odds because all of the over unders total um, the wins of the whole major league, of, of all the major leagues. It added up to almost exactly what the total would be if every major league team played its full complement of games. So the average would be eighty one wins per team times thirty. Um, and I think it was so that would be twenty four, uh, two thousand four hundred thirty wins yeah. in the season. I think in the total over unders for um, baseball was uh, for the uh, by FanDuel was twenty four thirty five. So like it was right on there. So it wasn't it wasn't five, a lot. Five extra games spread across the whole league to play with. Yeah. 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 So they yeah. didn't inflate everyone's numbers just to. So that's one. Yeah, one six of a game. Yes, or team. <laughs> yeah. So, so who, yeah, my first pick. I went to a team that uh, had 111 victories last season. The uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, who are one of my most disliked teams, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but their uh, their projection for this season um, at FanDuel was only um, 96 and a half wins, and I think that seems like a. Um, I don't think they've really changed that much of the roster, and they seem to like if they have a problem, they just go get somebody else anyway. Yeah, um, I think they. Because they lost Trey Turner. Yeah. That much of a difficulty, you know, getting back to that hundred-ish win season. So I'll I'll take the over on the uh, 96 and a half. I think that's a good good pick. Um, I uh, my next one, I actually kind of since we thought I thought the Royals would improve, I kind of did a tandem, a little bit the way you were thinking of possibly going with Baltimore, um, going down. If Boston went up, Baltimore probably go down. I think if the Royals go up a little bit, I think their biggest competition at kind of staying out of the uh, out of last place in the division this year is Detroit. Detroit's over under was sixty nine and a half. I don't think Detroit will be better than the Royals this year. And if the Royals are 68 and a half, I think Detroit should be lower than 68 and a half. So I'm going to go under on Detroit 69 and a half. So I think um, uh, that's my. Uh, Detroit won 66 games last season. So they're you know right in that same range. So yeah, it's not crazy. ESPN stay also right has... in that range. ESPN on their rank on their preseason picks as as Detroit winning sixty six and the Royals winning seventy two right now. So um, I, I I looked at some of those things like that, but I, so I think partly just because if the Royals go up, uh, I think I think the Detroit will do that. So so I will either probably get both of them right or get neither of them right. So, well, I think the uh, the other factor that may have a lot to do with the 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 you know AL Central is the White Sox were really underwhelming last year for their 
you know, final record. They they were just 500 for the season. And uh, they seem to have the talent to play maybe in that upper tier of the American League. So if they do improve by, you know, what you would, where you'd expect to see them, you know, in the standings, those wins are going to come from somewhere, probably within the division. Yeah, um, hopefully not from the Royals. They may come at, uh, you know, Detroit, hopefully from the Royals' perspective, from from Detroit's, you know, yeah. column. The, Royals, the White Sox are 83 and a half, according to uh, FanDuel. So they're, they're not really expected to improve that much. Even though they have them, they'll have a former Royals um, bench coach as their head coach, right? Isn't that? Uh, That's right. Griffol. Pedro Griffol is now the, is the White Sox yeah. manager. So maybe you could say, well, they're going to sink now because they have the Royals, and the, and the Royals are going to be well because they have a raise, you know, Mach Potreros, a, a, yeah. a raise uh, uh, protege. So um, yeah. who's your who's your third? Uh, um, similar to your strategy, I stuck to the same division with the uh, the Dodgers too. Um, I think the Do- the Dodgers and Padres are going to be locked in the struggle uh, to get the most wins. Um, so I think there's going to be you know not as many wins available from the division. Uh, and I, I'm guessing that they're going to come from the from at the Diamondbacks' expense. Uh, mm. They're over under number seventy five and a half this season. I'm going to take the under Arizona Diamondbacks mm. seventy five and a half. I can see that they won seventy four games last year. So. Seventy four games. So you think they're not going to maybe not improve or you know maybe get a little worse possibly? I think that. So I, I, I Dodgers and Padres are just so good in that division. Though. That's, that's right. Gonna be, Tough, and the and the Rockies have been very bad, but they can't be as bad, I think, as they have been all the time. It seems like they have to improve, maybe a little bit, but that's still going to come from somewhere. My my last pick was a little bit like yours. I decided to go to the National League, and I went to a team that's also usually not very good historically, and also in a division uh, that's tends to be pretty tough. Um, and this is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, the Pirates are. Um, in the NL Central, the Cardinals are usually pretty good. The Brewers have been pretty good lately. Um, the Cubs could, you know, conceivably come back this year. Uh, and they're usually battling with kind of the Reds for last place uh, in the last few over the last few years. But I think the Pirates are making uh, some incremental uh, improvements. They're also the kind of most local team to me right now, and I can and the one the team that or the, at least the team that I like the most. Uh, that's not um, because of the National League, so they aren't competing directly against the Royals. So I like the Pirates a little bit. Maybe maybe it's a little bit of Pirates homerism. Um, I also like the Pirates a little better than some of the other Pittsburgh teams because the Pirates are not um, they don't have as many bandwagon and uh, followers as, as perhaps the Steelers or the Penguins. Have. So uh, the Pirates have an over under 67 and a half wins. I'm going to say they're going to go over. So they're a little bit lower than the Royals. One one game lower than the Royals. And I think the, but I think the Pirates actually play in a division that's not quite as tough as. I think even the Cardinals have been kind of coasting and still able to to win a lot of games. I don't think they're necessarily a juggernaut um, in the way that. I think Cleveland is really improving. I think Minnesota should is, is pretty good. And I think uh, the White Sox are decent. I'm not sure there are as many good teams in the NL Central. So I'm going to say the Pirates will steal a few wins. I think they won 62 last year. Yeah. So if they win 68 this year, 
I, 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 so I will be on the right side. So I think Pirates over 67 and a half in the last period. That's one of the higher, I think, um, you know, improvements over last year that I saw, at least anyway, when flipping through the odds. Yeah, because they're to get the over, they'd have to be six games better than last season. Yeah. Which is seemingly expecting to be a better team, then, which is good to see, I think. What do you think they can, you think they can, uh, you know, power through that plus maybe a little more over the odds makers? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not a good pick or not. The Pythagorean uh, record last year, they should have had 58 wins. So uh, maybe they overachieved last year. <laughs> compared to that. But I'm not going to let that change. I'm still going to say uh, we'll be at least 68 and 94. Well, I guess this year the, the, the schedules are more balanced, though, aren't they? They're not doing the um, full well, 19 games COVID against types the division, of stuff. Too, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't be using those numbers quite as heavily. Yeah, I don't know. Well, well, too late now. Too late now. <laughs> uh, and uh, my last pick, I went with a team that has spent excessively in the offseason. Already had a good record last season with 101 wins, but spending even more money to try to eclipse that. Uh, Mets. Are uh their their uh, line is set at ninety three and a half wins, um and they so they can they could be a few games worse than that this coming year even with the the higher um salary, uh and still hit the over on that so I'm I'm taking the over on the Mets ninety three and a half hundred one so they could even lose several more, the Yankees I think were also ninety three and a half this year so it was that'll be interesting which which of the New York teams is going to do better maybe it's another Subway Series year but yeah baseball it's a marathon of course uh and it begins in march uh the end of march uh, march 30th so uh thursday opening our uh is opening day as is our uh, broadcast will be on uh thursday so we've made these picks and we will still we'll have to wait six months or so uh to uh figure out how uh, what we've done and but we won't have to wait six months before we come back on the air because we'll be back in one week uh, to talk about the Final Four, talk a little more about the NFL, maybe first week of baseball, and so we haven't seen the last of the Warning Track Power Hour, uh, that's for sure. Uh, do we have anything to add? It's just starting. It's just starting. Starting up. Yeah. For, I mean, we, we have, are the we, Warning Track Power Hour, not the uh, NFL Power Hour, right? But that's yeah. We are, we are the two minute warning hour. Yes. Our, our season's just starting. Yes, we were supposedly a baseball uh, centric. <laughs> I think it's because we, you know, there's we we uh, have, uh, you know, like like our bet, like our bets were slightly worse than uh, what we should be to make a profit. So we, it's like it's like the warning track. We have, we we can hit it almost out of there, yeah. but we usually will end up losing a little bit of money, just like. Uh, Someone with morning trick power will not quite hit the home runs. Will not try quite get the big contract that uh, uh, a home run hitter will get. But we're uh, working on it. We we've, we've spent all of our we spent working our you know spent time working our muscles this spring training just as just just as uh, uh, much as the players have. I'm sure uh, our mental uh, muscles and our and our uh, you know our, our you know. Uh, Acuity and uh, cogitating and uh, our cogita- our cogitation 
uh, cogitative, cogitative acuity, we'll say. And uh, yeah, that, sounds, that sounds good, right? Yeah, that makes sense. It sounds, like, so, it sounds like something that, they, that, that would have been said by the manager of the Chicago Orphans or the... <laughs> <laughs> yes. The Boston Bean Eaters. Until then, though, we 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 will we will, um, we will we will keep our noses to the grindstone and follow our beloved Royals and the other teams of Major League Baseball uh, for the next um, several months until uh, the NFL uh, picks up again. And uh, but we'll be back next week and we'll talk all about it. Do we have anything? Any final thoughts? Or should we close in our usual way? Sure. Um, thank you for, uh, for listening. I am Dr. Michael Lerman. He is Dr. Andrew Scaff. We are the Warning Trick Power Hour. Please like and subscribe to our many delivery services, vehicles, options, these sorts of things. And until uh, we will be back next week with another exciting hour or perhaps even more, as we've often been giving more than uh, uh, one hour episodes, even in the off season it's all free it, you know it's, it's this extra time is all free for uh our, our subscribers it costs them nothing additional even though it takes more sweat and uh from from our brow uh to put these things on uh more atoms and more uh you know uh, more bits and bytes into the ether <laughs> are, are are being used uh to um uh you know to record our to record our extra 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 long podcast but we don't have to talk about that now we'll talk about it again next week until then we wish you a good day